0: Welcome to episode 275 of Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Today we're recording the show from my house in Pasadena. It's a Saturday, Sunday morning and it's beautiful outside. Um, so what, what a great day. Uh, hey, Jason. Um, hey, how's it going? <laughs> great. Uh, how are you doing? What are you, what are you up to these days?
1: Well, it's been a long time, hasn't it? It's been over a month.
0: That's weird. We did two shows within a week. And then we did did no shows. But then really. there was
1: the Christmas. Then there was the break. You, you figure it was a two, potentially yeah. three. But then last week you were otherwise occupied and that just kind
0: of sent we us. We were back. obsessed with high frequency trading in that last show.
1: Yeah. So you got me all, you got me thinking about it. And uh, <laughs> I actually, actually, because you got me thinking about it and I was like sending you links and giving you advice and then it got me thinking about it even more. And yeah. so then I ordered a book, said, I want to read a bit of some, some stuff because what happens to me sometimes when people start asking my advice and I start trying to give them Tell them good things that I think are going to be useful. Then I go, wait a minute, is that absolutely right? Or what is it exactly that they need to know? Right. And I start doing more research on my own, yeah. make sure that I'm not leading them astray. And then you got me kind of on on that a little bit.
0: We kind of both had the madness about it for a while there. Um, so you pointed to a great me to a great book, and which I, I guess is a book that you read as well by someone who what who basically was a trader for a living, who'd won trading contests, mm-hmm. uh, like a, an automated trader, uh, algorithmic trader, right? Rather than high Did frequency. Did you read the whole book? I I read. Three quarters of it, maybe, got up to like chapter twelve or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Did you understand all the all the entire bit about um, forward testing and not yeah, opt- yeah, your back test and yeah, yeah, I got that it, yeah. stuff because that, that was like some of the really key information that people screw up when they when they want to build a model. They go and they go, well, here's my here's all the data that's happened up until now. I'm just going to run algorithm and find a set of parameters that that shows optimal or really strong performance. Right, but the way, what ends up happening is you have an you get an overfit model, and as soon as you go forward on a newer set of data, it just dies.
0: So, so what was great about it was he had such a methodical process of creating these strategies, like the different steps that was basically very similar to building regular software. You know, so mm-hmm. you kind of like ideated it, then you kind of mocked it up, then you kind of uh, ran it, ran it against a small set of data, then you ran it against a large set of data, then you Ran it against um, forward data, for, so basically testing. you create forward sample data, which is kind of a clever. When little... you
1: do windowing, you do different. You do walk forwards. You do, yeah. you you, eat, you know. So, like you have, so you had you know three months of data. You might walk forward two weeks at a time. You know, it's, just, it's a whole process to, uh, of doing it.
0: So what it made me realize, and, the, and the, it's the, that book is the reason why I lost the madness for the high frequency trading because it basically made me realize that it is. I mean, of course it is, but like, I really read it, understood it after reading the book. It's a fully blown career, right? I've just spent like five years, 10 years working on growing my startup career, like learning how to build startups and all that kind of stuff. This would be a whole other career. And I'm not sure I want to do a whole other career, especially when I haven't quite mastered the one I'm already on. Uh (laughs) So that was kind of my, my feeling about it. Like it's, there's a lot to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no it's is a lot. I mean, I wouldn't say that trading learning how to trade is as hard as learning how to program. Right. Um, but there's still a lot to it. Um, you know, I guess well, you might argue say well to become a really excellent trader might take as le- as much time as to become an excellent programmer, you know, yeah. but I think it's easy it would take it, it wouldn't take as long to get someone who doesn't know much or anything about trading to get to the point where they basically can understand it, can do it, can build, you know, strategies and trade them much more quickly than you could have someone go and, oh, here, build me a, a, web, a, a mobile web app or something. Right. But to reach some level of, of real expertise, maybe.
0: So the book's called Bil- Building Winning Algorithmic Trading Systems Yeah. by Kevin J. Davey.
1: Really good. Yeah. Really, really well written. I mean. It's a very gentle introduction, so it's it's, it's it, it moves at a very casual pace and and, uh, and everything, but uh, if you're interested in this kind of thing... It's good
0: because it's, there's a story behind it as well, so he tells it through a story. Like
1: how his, his screw-ups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, here's what I tried to do, and I lost a lot of money. I No, I really like that. Money. And then <laughs> I had to take a break because I was so depressed, and then I started
0: again, and I lost a lot of money. And and that's what I mean about career. Like, he really has spent his whole career doing it, but I like the way he, he gives each of his trading ideas names so like when he spends two years doing it one way he calls it one name and i like he, he calls the the one where he just tries to do it based on just you know hearing good news he calls that his wild man days right right His right, wild right. man days yeah
1: you probably do you could probably break your career down into yeah you know eras <laughs> yeah. like that and give it a name
0: that's yeah. true that'd be funny
1: <laughs> well one thing i thought was interesting you actually contacted a guy who was using neural nets to predict uh uh, Bitcoin, yeah. pricing, and you actually had a conversation with him, or email exchange, or what?
0: Yeah, I did, and um, so basically, he's he has a great um, he's doing something that's I, th- I thought was, and I do think is pretty cool. Basically, working on price data and predicting price, so he will predict a twenty four hour period price to within within a one percent accuracy, which is kind of cool, um, and it it also predicts it predicts the entire like 24-hour slots as well, the price. But some of them do vary and go out. The entire like, path. Yeah, the entire path. But some of them kind of go out maybe 6%. But usually the, across the 24-hour period, it ends up as 1%. The only thing is that because that's like averaging, like it does kind of make it seem like you could just kind of throw any numbers in there. And if you average 24 numbers, it would probably be closer to the end number. <laughs> <It's> like, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, so, so you you uh he was actually uh open to the idea of potentially working together on something yeah yeah we were just
0: exploring the possibility. I, I was just exploring the possibility so he was he was open to that idea and um i'll put in the show notes what the name of the site i think it was uh, bitcoin B- btcpredictions.com i think was what yeah what what it is um yeah so i just i just said oh you know maybe maybe we could uh, do something together and either use yeah. it for the trading competition that we were talking about like to get good signals on stock Right. we we
1: we didn't talk about that show we just it, it became a, a a back and forth in the uh, comments yeah um was something that we were considering um i would love to do it and i started playing around i started playing around with translating some stuff that i had written years ago in c++ and c# Sharp and trying to convert it to javascript and so yeah, could i could you know build yeah. and i spent like an afternoon one weekend kind of playing around with it and, but the reality is where you don't want a new career I can't afford another project. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I am at this. I, I am really trying to exercise some discipline and not.
0: I thought last year was the year of no.
1: Last year was the year of no, and th- this year is going to be the year of still no. <laughs> 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 uh, you, you know, I'm I'm just so bad at it. You know, it's funny. Like um, my buddy Phil Amon, he uh, he emailed me a few days ago, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to uh, you want to do that MIT?" Uh, electronics circuits analysis course or whatever. It's basically the, um, like a sophomore level introduction to electrical engineering course at MIT. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's legit. I mean, it's a real, it's a hard course. And I had looked at it before and, um, and it was just along the same stuff that I was doing with uh, the, the tutor I hired, Giacomo. And, um, and the reason I stopped doing it was because I just didn't have enough time. And I was frustrated with how little time I had to work on problems and everything, and and I had to tell him, I'm like, dude, I would love to do this with you. It would be so much fun, but I, I just can't, you know. And that's that's a hard thing for me to say, mm. especially with
0: something that I find fundamentally really, really enjoy, in,
1: in, in, interesting. And enjoyable. So if
0: you were, if your Uber shares came in and you were like independently wealthy, you'd do stuff like that.
1: Probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would do that. I would do, you know, the the you know neural network ai bitcoin trading stuff you know whatever i mean that kind of stuff is fun
0: what i came across during the trading stuff it made me think of signal processing uh, because of the whole the whole way that it's a signal basically and so i found a signal processing course and now that looks really interesting especially the way that the guy described it you know signal processing is the fundamental basics of computing mm-hmm. you know and it it applies to so many fields I'm like, I would love to do that.
1: Because that has a relationship to music, which you've spent... Audio, exactly. audio production, which yeah. you've spent a lot yeah. of time
0: on. Music, like images, uh, like just basically statistics. I mean, it's so many different pieces of... Um,
1: that's one mean. thing that's kind of... One thing I found about how to, to get into a deep subject, sometimes you just got to find like a doorway from a, something that you already know and understand and enjoy. So for you, you might say... I can get into math you know through signal processing via audio production Mm. which you know right right and then you have analogies and you have some concrete experience and you so when they start talking about some of these transformations like yeah yeah well that's just a this transformation you do audio all the time I know Mm. why that works I know that this is what you do the wave and this does this this you know so you have a doorway in and then you have something to build on right something to sort of bootstrap your a mental framework to bootstrap with and uh um, that's always really cool. Yeah. You know, I, you would probably enjoy that too, but like, I think you're kind of the same boat as I am. You don't really have a, kind of if I was
0: independently wealthy. Yeah.
1: Just be learning all kind of,
0: learning all kind of stuff.
1: Well, you know, it, the thing is too, it's like, I think it's, it's not wrong to focus on going after what might seem as small or toy problems. And we talked about this, like uh, Richard uh, Feynman, mm-hmm. um, He there's a story about how he was watching some undergrads in a in a cafeteria or dining hall playing around with these spinning these plates and watching the wobble on these plates or something, and he and he started thinking about so he started trying to work out the physics of how you predict the wobble or whatever, and he showed that to to a few other you know of his peer physicists at Caltech and they're like, what why are you? looking at that like cuz he's like oh look at this neat little thing and they're just like whatever dude you know <laughs> it's like, such a stupid waste your time effectively right and but that led to the mathematics that allowed him to solve uh quantum electrodynamics which led to his Nobel prize so you know yeah. learning about circuits or single processing or ai bitcoin trading whatever you might think like well, why are you doing that and it's like I don't know exactly. I find it really interesting, but there's a there's a deep set of problems related to this. And who knows what I'm going to take away from this and how i going to apply them or where this might lead. You know, you see that happens all the time. Yeah. Um. And so I, I you know, I think going after, going down rabbit holes like that is usually a good thing if you have enough time for it. <laughs> you know, the only problem is when you don't have enough time for it, like me, and then you tend to have Five. You're trying to do five things at one time, and you just can't make any progress.
0: So, what's taking up your time?
1: Well, uh Uber, of course, takes up my time on a daily basis, yeah. and so the, the the two big things would be, well, it'd be Uber and the and and coaching the math. I mean, or teaching the math class, mm-hmm. which is three days a week, and then I have two um two small consulting projects. Well, one is actually remember uh, God Suites I've talked about. Yep. So. That's one. I'll actually get into that second one. Uh, and the, another one is a buddy of mine who works with a company called Appolitic. I, I went to uh, college with, and uh, I'm helping with a small, a um, small web thing. They they just didn't have any in-house expertise, and he's like, "Hey, can you help me figure this out?" They're like a, a, a mobile
0: analyst. How long is it going to take?
1: Oh, it's like a 20-hour project. We're like 11 or 12 hours in. We're All right. We're mostly. We're probably two-thirds away done. Okay. You know, so um, it's not a big deal. But it's like. The thing is that when you have these little projects, they just sit on your schedule. Like, oh, okay, tomorrow I got to do that at two, and I got to do this, and then all of a sudden you're just breaking up your day, and you just feel like you don't have any time. Yeah. So, but at the same time, um, I have to make money. I have to try to make ends meet, and um, you know, I, I'm the only breadwinner, and uh, you know, it's a uh, you know sometimes it's not just like, well, I just don't feel like doing it. You know, it's I had you know, as I've mentioned, you know, I had to spend a lot of money purchasing those Uber options and paying right, taxes right. on them. And so it's like that added a lot of uh financial strain on our on our budgets so and our whatever you want to
0: call it. So Are you getting in check now? Is it all good? Am I getting
1: Well no, I mean I'm not like it's not like um, we're you know not living okay. It's yeah. just that like, you know if we had another twenty thousand dollars in April that'd be great for taxes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like whatever you can do about that, that'd be great. If yeah. not, we're gonna go to after that we're gonna do a uh, payment plan with the IRS. You know what okay. I mean? You know, and that's what happens with the. I mean, you really want to be able to pay off your taxes in the uh, in in April.
0: Yeah, when they come. Yeah,
1: when they come, or, or you do quarterly estimates, which we you know usually try and do best we can. But when you're a, you know, like yourself, or you're not anymore. But you know, when you're a contractor, you have to pay those estimates, and then if you don't, you got to pay the difference in April. And if you can't, then you basically, pay, basically, you get on a payment plan with the IRS, and they're like, well, you have until October. Yeah. To pay it. and of course you are paying interest, you know I mean, yeah, it's like, basically like a loan, <laughs> you know
0: all right, well, just quickly <clears throat> talking about payment, just interjecting quickly here, uh, we got a donation from um did you see this from David Walsh? yeah, I was actually looking that up before hundred dollars grand patron donation
1: it was david and, uh, and someone else oh was it yes, yeah, so that's you that's what I was looking up on my okay hangouts he didn't email me, so let me just double check this he says um the contribution texting is by David Waltz and, and, and Josefa Hayden. Josepha um, Josefa specializes in event coordinating. She has been doing WordCamp for WordPress for four years. We wanted to give back since your podcast has helped us out. Wow. And I I, Great. I responded, I said, Wow, that's very generous. Thank you so much. So how exactly have we helped you guys? Yeah, there's been no response. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's always <laughs> interesting if when someone says they, you've helped them or whatever. Yeah. Well, what, what, well how? What yeah. happened? What yeah. did I
0: do? Uh, well, thanks so much. Uh, so, grand patron of this show um, must remind me to put that on the show notes because sometimes I forget. And um, yeah, but so then after that, the next thing I wanted to go to to ask you was about the teaching that you're doing every day. Like, how is that? Well, you're doing it what Tuesdays and Thursdays?
1: A mu- no. Um, uh, well, initially was. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, but because of a conflict with some other school program thing, we had to move it to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays oh okay, the middle days. Um, yeah, and that's uh you know that's a lot of work, but it is my favorite three hours of the week. <laughs> I love teaching math. it is so fun, but I don't think I'd like it if I was just teaching some random math class to some random It's group of this specific thing that you want to do It's teaching a bunch because Colby's of, in
0: the class as well
1: and it's yeah, and it's an experiment to see if I can teach. A bunch of ten and eleven year olds, fifth graders, advanced high school math.
0: You kind know? of a random experiment, but yeah. hey, whatever you know. Well well, lights you a know
1: well, 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 you know, I I was an I I taught myself calculus when I was like in ninth grade. I was like fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. And that that was hard. And partially because I didn't really have a very good book. And the books that I did ha- attempt to learn from were overly verbose and kind of confusing and overly formal and so it was easy to like sort of Hit a brick wall. And I've always spent a lot of time thinking about how to learn or teach efficiently. And I've always felt like a lot of things, the way things done are just inefficient, mm. really inefficient. And, and for a lot of different reasons. And it's, it's um, some of them maybe just historical in nature, some of them just become logistical or whatever. But, you know, I'm like, and I've always had a lot of fun when I've had an opportunity to teach something. To somebody. Someone says, Hey, Jason, can you teach me, you know, uh, like Mark a long time ago said, can you teach me Java? And I spent like an hour and a half teaching him Java and he didn't know anything about programming or teaching him relational database theory in like an hour and a half or teaching my brother calculus in a couple hours. And that's fun. Like, how can I boil this down? Not just sit there and wax philosophic about the underlying ideas in which you just walk away. Like you just watched a TV show on it, but like you could actually do stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. So here I have a captive audience. <laughs> Ten and eleven year olds, <laughs> and I want to see what I can do with them.
0: It's fun hanging out with with them as well because they say funny stuff.
1: Well, yeah, I guess that's part of it too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I I do really like the kids, and I mean, they're you know sometimes they they're fun, sometimes they drive me crazy because you don't listen or you know whatever. But they're, they're kids, you know. But I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's been. You know what? We started in, uh, in uh, September, mid-September, and I mean, we're like, we've already completed Algebra One. We're doing a lot of Algebra Two stuff, and we're gonna start doing trigonometry soon. And uh, my goal—we'll see how things go—but my goal is to teach them the the sort of the core essence of uh, of calculus in the spring. <laughs> and just to, you know, I mean, I, you know, you could—are you like, well, why don't you just just really nail down Algebra One, Algebra Two? It's like I could, and I could, you know, or I could just focus on the center forty to. Seventy percent of those subjects the the stuff that's really important, the stuff that you actually use later um, and I could go do a through line all the way through calculus, and so that then they have that under their belt and then so the next year they're like, yeah, I, know I can do a different on is, I can do new chain rule.
0: regarding like them changing some changing school or not
1: yeah, so that's been a huge, huge frustration for me so the the situation is that um, I have thirteen kids um. And our school is K through 8th grade. So 8th grade in high school, I know Eastern English, you may not be familiar with this, but high school is ninth through 12th, okay? Yeah. And now the middle school, they have a a middle school, I guess, and it's 6th through 8th grade. They're all currently 5th grade. So the next three years would be considered a middle school. And it's basically the same thing. They just switch things around a little bit. But some of these kids have an opportunity, if they want to, they can apply to go to a high school that is not 9th through 12th, but 6th through 12th. Right. So they're like, and there's one or two schools, one in particular that's that's got very high ratings. They have a lot of AP courses. So you
0: start off the school early at six, which kind of makes sense because you're there and it's a ground floor opportunity. Yeah, and but you you stay know, there that's what end. people
1: think, right? Yeah. But you're not taking AP courses because it, it, until like your 10th or 11th grade anyway. Right. Right. And so anyway, they, they want to like go into the lottery and try and get to this, this school and and everything. And I'm, I I set up a parent information night where I brought all the parents in to tried to explain to them why they should keep their kids here at McKinley. Because I'm like, look, you send your kid to those other school, at best, they're going to be put ahead a year, maybe two in math. So next year in sixth grade, they'll be doing eighth grade math, which is stuff we did last year. Right. So all the stuff that we're doing now they're gonna be doing that's gonna be spread out over the next that's gonna be spread out through the next five or six years.
0: It just depends on how important they think math is.
1: Yeah, and I'm trying to explain, I mean, you know, it's like my, my pitch to them is like, you know, not every kid is good at something really. You know, I mean not all kids are athletic, not all kids are artistic, not all kids are musical, not all kids are mathematically inclined. You know, I know I know about the ten thousand hour rule and if you work really hard and you're passionate about stuff that you can but you know that I in my experience in life and everything i've achieved there that's really on top of something where you have you're already at the top 10%. Not the top 0.01% but you're like in a classroom of 30 kids you're one of the top 2 or 3 kids in sports mm-hmm. so one of yeah. the or 3 kids in music you if you're one of the kids at the bottom of top of something yeah you're just you know you have a knack for it i'm not saying you're a prodigy or anything or you're the best kid in the city but you know if there's a group of kids they'd go oh yeah that kid's good at he's good at singing this kid is good at painting, right? Like <laughs> if you're not even that, it's pretty hard. Right. But if you are at that level or even higher and you really like it, it's worth putting a little bit of energy behind
0: because it's, it's uh, funny. Cause that kind of worries me. Like for example, uh, the, the, I, I get what you're saying. So basically if you're an outlier, like it, you can get a lot of special preferential treatment because you're so good at something by any school that you go into. Is that is that way? That where doesn't going?
1: happen that way. Most of the time, you don't get much preferential treatment. I'm saying, but if it's your kid, so there's there's public policy about what right. happens, yeah. And then there's, there's you as a parent, yeah. Well, your parent, if your kid is good at something, you're like, you know, because you know, in the end of the day, the world is maybe not a zero sum game, but it's very very. Well, different.
0: so what is the be- what are you saying? The benefit is to be like light years ahead of everyone else in math. Like, well, what do you-
1: if if your if your kid is interested in, in 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 science and technology that world of things then getting them really good will may, will open up a ton of doors for them both in terms of uh what schools they go to scholarships internships you know i mean it's like it opens up tools
0: for them later yeah that makes sense i mean
1: and, and, and not like that but it's like you know where i went to college is one of the top you know schools in the country and we had one of the best math, team, math, I'm sorry, math programs in the country. You know, we're talking top five or six. And there were a lot of kids who came in there who were, you know, the top math student or something at their high school, and they got smoked. They got completely crushed. <laughs> they were just like two weeks in, they were like, they totally dropped it. They're like, I can't do this. This is so far beyond. I just didn't know, you know. And it happened to a lot of kids. They went to some, you know, whatever
0: school. That- That's not going to happen with your kids.
1: No, I'm telling you, I want to be on the complete other side of it. Yeah, okay. I want to be on the kids that people are like, how did this kid know this? Like, how do you know this stuff, right? Where the professor's talking about blah, 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 and you're just kind of nodding yeah, you know, stuff, <laughs> and you're like, you know this? I don't know. What? You know, I'm dropping the course. I can't even understand this stuff. And you're like, like, it's nothing. Because in a lot of the, these technol- technical fields, they have, it's almost like a, a gating function where it's like, we're going to... Keep all the people out who really don't have what it takes. And it's unfortunate because a lot of it is based on just pure math ability, whether it's physics or engineering or I don't, whatever, computer science or something like that. You can't do the math. Bye. You know? And so you saw a lot of people who really wanted to do
0: that kind of stuff, but they just didn't have the right preparation and the right skill set. So it does open a lot of doors. So what well, it keeps
1: doors and it keeps doors from it, shutting. It, it keeps face. doors
0: from shutting. So, one thing, there's another kind of an alternative take, which is a path that's kind of similar but I don't like, which is one where I've, I have I've know a few people who've been, because of the environment they've been brought up, they, they're like multilingual. So maybe they know two or three languages. And because that just happened to them through that environment, they're good at that. And as a result, they end up following that as a career. So it's kind of like their career was predetermined for them right from...
1: There's not, from, much, there's, there's not much of a career in. in well, no, no, there learning, is. Knowing language well, translation, you don't make any money doing that.
0: Well, no, but there's there's a big career in it, like in terms of like, for example, moving to another company or working for companies and having some kind of ambassador position, like being someone in the company who, like, say, for example, you're a, you go to a European company.
1: Yeah. And, okay. So yeah. Yeah. You, okay. So we're an Italian company, and we have an office in German. Exactly. Speak German. Exactly. Oh, guess what? Let's see who's going to German? Oh, you are.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it does
1: that, but it's it's not that big of a differentiator. That's what I always right. think when people put all this energy behind. We're doing you know Mandarin immersion. It's like, you're going to spend how many thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of Chinese? You know how people know Chinese already? You know how good automatic computer translation is getting now? Oh,
0: it is getting pretty I good, mean, yeah.
1: In another 20 years, I just don't think that's... And, and all the Chinese, everyone in China is learning English. Like I just It is going to be a Babelfish English.
0: situation. Like We're, we're going to have, like, talking through our smartphones and it's just going to do direct translation.
1: Yeah, and unless you're like my, my buddy Jesse, who who took Chinese in, in college and then went and lived in China. Now he's but, he, but it's basically you're living a Chinese life. If you want to go live in China, you know, then go learn that language.
0: Well, I'm I'm more complaining about it because the people who I know who grew up that way ended up like, it's almost like they just had to do that. Like, oh, they moved to France or they moved to Spain because they, they were bilingual because their parents were bilingual. And But maybe they could have been skilled at math. But it was just like something that was just... There by default. Well,
1: you're saying because they because one path was there it was it was like the path of least resistance. They're already naturally good at this, so they said, "All right, well, exactly. I can take advantage of that."
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of complaining. So the the reason why I mention it is because Jack was talking about sent sorry, Georgie was talking about sending Jack to a French school or whatever, you know, or a Spanish school or just just like where the school had another language, and my that would be my complaint about that. I'm like, well, if we do that, then we're probably basically saying that that that's going to be the path of path of least resistance, as you say, and he'll probably follow a career that has something to do with that, and that seems limited, like. Maybe he wants to be a programmer or some other things if he didn't have that. See what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big fan of the whole language. And I think there's it's so much energy goes into it and there's not, you know, I don't know anybody who's making a lot of money because they speak French. Right. They speak right. Italian or even Chinese. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, my buddy Jesse works said uh, he's a uh, financial analyst in, China, in, in uh, Hong Kong. Well, he could have done that in New York. Like, what was a you know, I mean, you live in Hong Kong, you live in New York, whatever, right? I mean, it doesn't really make any difference, you know? I, I just don't, I just think it's, um, I don't know. But that's a whole other subject. But the whole math thing, for instance, the the other thing is that um, math is, uh, it is it is sort of like, not just as a gating function in terms of school, but it's just a gating function in terms of career, like, if you don't know a certain level of math, you're just out forever. Very few people go back later in life and learn a bunch of math and then open new doors. You're just done. That is shut off for you forever. You know, you can learn to program, but you're not going to go get, like, uh, you know, have a master's level degree in math or something. It's like, you can do that stuff when you're young or you don't. Well, you taught your brother calculus? I spent him two hours. I taught him enough calculus so he could do basic problems in calculus. Right. Because it was a situation where he was in pre-calculus and he was really intimidated by calculus. I said, come here. I will teach you calculus right now. I'll show you this. Not that yeah. hard. But you know, like if you said, Oh, I want to do physics. I'm like, "That's not going to happen. Cause you just don't know enough math to do it. Right. It's just not going to happen. It's just too, there's too much work. It's too hard to do on your own way too hard. Um, so, you know, you know, I, I mean, and Colby is one of the examples. So for instance, I would ask Colby the other day, you know, I any. Mean, Okay, let me, let me back up. Kobe may be more extreme than some of the kids in the class, but there are a lot of kids in the class like him where he really, really is interested in, in space and physics and rockets and that kind of stuff. He likes that stuff a lot. And so I'm trying to keep the doors open for him so that he is a top candidate if that's what he wants to do. Yeah. He may turn directions and he's 15 or 60, he says, ah, you know, I'm going to go be a musician or something like that. Okay. Yeah. You know, but if he's like... But that trajectory has been very consistent so far for, let's, yeah. you know, and uh, like yesterday I got an email was about, um, uh, it was, uh, my alumni association was going to have a tour of JPL and getting, you're going to go to mission control and watch the data come in from, uh, some, uh, probe out by Pluto. And, and I'm like, Hey, Colby, do you, um, would you want to go on this tour? He's like, ah, yeah. He's like, dad, anything has to do with space or NASA, or JPL, just assume I'm going to say
0: yes. <laughs> all right, all right. What was that email that he sent to someone Which, about like building a space thing or something?
1: Oh, there was like an invention company where they, a prototyping company, and he sent a thing to them about three, a few years ago about, um, I think it was about seven, about a, a rocket plane idea for Rocket Plane and they didn't know he was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> they called up and Sandy answered the phone and they're like, yeah, we'd like to talk to Colby Roberts about his uh concept for Rocket Plane. And she's like, I'm sorry, who is this? <laughs> and like, he was what, seven at the time? Yeah, and they're like, yeah, yeah, he sent us this concept idea that, you know, we'd really like to follow up with him because he sounds really interesting. You sounded really interesting. And she's like, and Sandy's like, Colby is seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, it's funny, funny thing. I had a call. Funny, uh, Colby story. So, I, uh, yeah, this is like Friday. I, um, I asked him. I said, uh, well, a couple of things happened. I, I'd been talking about doing a little bit of physics in the course because I want to give them some applications for the math learning. Like, why are equations important? Right you now, why are we factoring equations? Why are we solving for x? You know, and so. I've been kind of holding off until I felt that they were really strong with some of the math before we did a little bit of physics. And Sandy's been pushing. Me. She's like, I really think you should do some of this. And Colby's been asking. He's like, Dad, why don't we do some physics? Why do we do some physics? I'm like, all right, all right. So he comes and he sees me. And I was kind of paging through my college physics textbooks. And I said, hey, Colby, what do you think if we did, um, if I taught you guys a little bit about the special theory of relativity? So like, you know, when a spaceship is going close to the speed of light, like time passes more slowly in the spaceship been an off frame reference, so it's called time dilation, kind of like remember in, in the movie Interstellar, you know, and you have time dilation, and you also have length contraction and everything. And he's like, Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I go look at this and I showed him the equation of, he's like, Okay, so that's this and this. He's like, Yeah, I get that. I understand it. I'm like, Okay, well, yeah, maybe I'll see if I will we'll think about getting this in next sometime in the next few weeks. So then he goes, It's a few days later or something. I says, What's going on in school with that? He's like, Oh, you know, he's like, I asked Mr. Rojas if I could look up the theory of relativity in class, because they have Chromebooks. This I was like, okay, but only until recess. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, then he emails me, like, the specific, because we were we were debating what the speed of light was. He's like, no, no, it's just, So then he emails me, like, uh, oh, kind of like you and I do, we can an argument, and you send me, like, a Wikipedia article, you go, see, you know. <laughs> That's, oh, okay. what do. That's what he did with, with the speed of light. That's funny. But um, So,
0: but he was right.
1: So he was, well, yeah, no, I, I guess he was right, but he just like, this is the, this is the answer, right? The specifics so he, he emails there. me sometimes on the day from school. And so he, he really wants to, he likes this stuff, right? Yeah. I think there's a pretty high probability, better than 50-50, which is a lot at this age, that he's going to go into something that's going to be math based. Yeah.
0: Seems, you know? It seems that way. You
1: know, whether it's physics or it's, you know, aerospace engineering or computer science or something. Something along those lines where math, being exceptional math, will get him over that hump to where he's a top contender and he the math won't stop him. You know, because math is like a language, it's it's a framework, and if you don't if you're not comfortable with the understanding it it becomes a block to you. If not, it's easy
0: for you. You can just do the thing that you want to do. Comparing how old is Colby now? Ten. Ten. Comparing you to ten to him to ten? Does it is he more knowledgeable about math than you were at ten. Oh
1: my God, are you kidding me? He could smoke me. I, yeah. No, oh, wow. I was like doing typical. First of all, I was in fourth grade when I was his age. Right. Not fifth grade. And so I was probably adding and subtracting two and three digit numbers. Right. Colby is solving uh, systems of linear equations in his head, <laughs> which is a problem, <laughs> right? So like, I, I, last week we did systems of equations. You have multiple equations. And you're like, and basically you are just figure out, can we algebraically figure out where these equations intersect what are the x and y coordinates or whatever and there's a couple different methods and colby um so, uh, he had already knew how to do these for some other stuff he had done and so i'm teaching a class he's like ah, you know he's like do i have to do these i'm like yeah you have to do these colby i signed up the whole class you have to do them. he's like but i don't to really do it i'm like colby you're 10 i can't have you opting out of algebra 2 <laughs> <laughs> right like just just do it he's like fine and so he sits there and he looks at the equation it's like all right x is seven y is uh three fifths and he's just like kind of going through the equations head like all the methods and that which is a really bad habit right because i need you to i'm like probably write the steps down because it's easy to make an
0: error in your head yeah
1: but it's just funny watching a 10 year old like look at that and go
0: do you think that if you were you like if, if you were taught by you when you were a kid you'd be where he was now or is is he,
1: he, got, he, he got a little more? Mental. Is he a
0: little more because of the combination of you and Sandy?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Um, he uh, he he's very bright. Um, he, he might be. He might be smarter than me. He might have a higher IQ than me. Essentially, what you're asking is he a smaller, higher IQ? I don't. know. Maybe he does. I mean, I don't feel like I could have grasped this stuff when I was his age. But yeah. maybe I could have. It's hard to know. Where 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 was I? I mean, I would and. and you know, when you were in fourth grade, you did fourth grade stuff. You know, you didn't have anyone going, "Okay, you know what? We're going to teach you algebra now." Yeah, you just didn't have. I know what he was doing that with me. You know, and so I, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a bright kid. Did I tell you about the um, IQ test thing? Uh,
0: you? T- I think you. I seem to remember you told me the beginning of it, but it was it was inconclusive. Like he hadn't actually done the test yet, or something.
1: Well, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll just. I'm it. I repeat, in case I didn't talk about it on the show, but it was funny because this is like um, I don't know, a month or six weeks ago. I come home from the gym and he's sitting there behind his computer. I'm like, I'm like, hey, Cole, what are you doing? He's like, Dad, I guess what I'm doing? I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking an IQ test. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm just like, have a protein shake. And then I go into the bathroom and I start taking a shower. He comes in there. And he's like, Dad, I know my IQ. And I'm like, well, what's your IQ? He's like, it's like a, I can't remember what he said. It's like 127 or 170 something. You know, it was, it was okay. And I'm like, but did you enter your age in there? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I said it was your age. I said it was 44. I'm like, well, Colby, <laughs> like they're, 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 it's based on your age, right? So they, if you're, a 44 was going to do a lot better than a 10 year old, right? So whatever this is, your IQ is, that's not your IQ. That's your IQ of how 40, he's like, it's just scaled incorrectly. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, so you failed the
0: IQ test. <laughs> he's like, you failed the IQ test well, by selecting well, the wrong age. He,
1: he was afraid. He was afraid that. um, It wouldn't let him in. let, let him in. Yeah. And so many times he has to lie about his age because most of these things you have to be 13 or 18. And yeah. So it's just like, okay, I'm 44. You know, I'm my dad. <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was
0: really funny
1: yeah guess what i'm doing
0: so he had a good iq for a 44 year old
1: yeah so a couple of really small things about him which were really funny uh so we're sitting there sandy has the kids sitting and all doing their homework after school and my youngest early is i call her miss miss extra credit Is her extra credit like she's just <laughs> always all about extra credit like she would refuse to turn something in a few weeks ago because they hadn't done the extra credit, because my wife said we don't have time to do it, and she just was just like her, I will not turn this in. <laughs> so I had to go explain to Mrs. Walker. She's like, okay, okay. So Ari wouldn't turn it in because she wanted the extra credit, and it. she's like, oh, don't worry about that, you know. Yeah. And so that's the kind of girl Ari is, right? And so this is we're sitting there, and uh, and, and and Ari, Ari, Ari goes to him, saying she's, well, is there extra credit? Can extra credit? And she's like, yes, okay. There's extra credit. We can do this thing. And and Colby's like. Why does she want to do extra credit? And she's like, Sandy goes, Because she's a good student. And Colby just kind of pauses, he's like, Yeah, but what does that achieve? <laughs> <laughs> like, like well, what does this extra credit achieve? Like, Colby's such a mercenary. He's like, I don't get it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why would I need it? You just
1: sit there and say, I'll just, just do the
0: bare bit. I don't even want to do linear equations if I don't have to.
1: It's like, I don't want to like, I don't care about your little scoring system. It was so funny. He's like, Yeah, but what is what is this extra credit chief um very funny anyway so he's um so so i anyway to sum up the whole thing oh dude, get back to the original thing about the parents um yeah. so i know colby is there in the kid. i'm trying to put him in this situation where if he's good enough and he ends up at some place like stanford or wherever and he's with other a bunch of people who are top-notch and he wants to do like rocket design theory, and it's like, okay, well, you need to be awesome at math, otherwise you're going to get smoked. But he's not like, I don't get a call from him after Christmas, and he's like, yeah, I had to drop it because I couldn't do the math, right? Yeah. I don't want that conversation. That's a really sad conversation to have, you know? You want to be like, oh, yeah, it's easy. And the way it's easy is because he's been doing it for years. Um, and uh, in the, uh, the other kids, there's a lot of kids who I think are along those lines, who like that really, re- they all really like math. And they all, like, really, really good at it. Um, but the parents, the parents kind of don't get it. I mean, I spent a lot of time really pitching them, but I, they still don't get it. And I found out... So
0: that's that, your argument to the parents?
1: Yeah, like, you're... I mean, first of all, it's like, I said, let's just, just talk about college. Like, forget their careers. Like, just getting into a top college. If you did calculus in, like, middle school and are doing, like, advanced college courses in high school at the local university, like, you're off the charts, kid, Right, you're a very special case. The teach, the schools are gonna have to look at you as a completely different animal, right? You're not just like, oh, I took A. B. Calculus and I took history, you know, A. P. History, and okay, so uh, right, million of you guys running around, great, good for you, that's good, good box check. Like, no, you want to, you want to be an outlier where people have a hard time understanding how you know as much as you know, Mm. right? And if you think it's fun doing it anyway. If it's enjoyable to you and it's going to make you really good at it, which is something you might pursue, like it sounds like a really good.
0: So why don't the parents get it?
1: The parents are very caught up in the hype cycle of like this one high school getting these high ratings. And one of the reasons they got high ratings is because they offer lots of AP classes, even though it doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of kids do well in AP classes.
0: What's AP class?
1: Advanced placement. You take a course in AP physics and you get a lot of college. You skip a year of introductory physics or AP biology or AP Mm. chemistry or AP history or English or whatever. Um, and uh, and I, I found out a lot of these kids, their parents, even despite the emails that I sent and information night where I spent like an hour explaining them, it didn't really move them. I was really I was really bummed. I thought I had gotten through. I said, "Look, people here through eighth grade." So ha-
0: how many of the kids are you going to lose then? Well, 13, did you lose any?
1: I'm going to lose one's moving back to Japan because his dad they had, he was getting here getting his PhD and he's they're going to Japan. One I know is going to go to charter school because it's just better fit from personality wise. So we're down to 11 and one's older sister goes to school. So he gets a sibling preference. And so now we're down to nine, no 10, right? That's lost three. Don't to 10. Right. So, but it's only like a one in five shot of getting into to school. So I'll probably of the four or five kids that apply, I'll probably lose one. Oh, okay. So I'll See. probably end up with seven. I guess I'll, I'll probably end up with seven. You'll end up with seven kids, seven or eight probably. Okay.
0: You know, Well, oh, that's enough.
1: Yeah, it's enough. It's it bums me out because I want to keep them all. Yeah, you know because I really like all the kids and they're all really good and it's fun. It's a fun group and everything. But uh, you know, it's uh, it, you know whatever. You can't you can't you know people are people are gonna do what they want to do. And a lot of these parents, they don't really quite. I don't think they they don't understand my argument. Or they don't see it. And you know if I can't can't persuade them, I can't persuade them. But uh, but I'm totally it's the kids. I'm like I'm like dude. Pre-prepared to go back and doing fractions for a couple more years. <laughs> they're like, "What? Well, can't I?" I'm like, "I don't know." I said it'd be very difficult to persuade these schools to put you like five years ahead in math. They're just yeah. not gonna want to do it. Yeah, because it just screws things up for them logistically. It really is a, it really is a complication for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they might sympathize with it and everything, but they're just it's just not. Well, now we have this. Sp- any, they don't school institutions don't like special cases. It mm-hmm. Makes things messy for them. Yeah, you know. Doesn't work for their, their advantage, you know. Yeah. And then, like, what you're in ninth grade, and now you have to like ride your bicycle down to Caltech or PCC to take a course in, you know, partial differential equations or something like
0: that. This is going to be a pain in their ass. They're going to be ask. like,
1: "Oh, I mean, it's fantastic for you, yeah, but it doesn't work for them. You're yeah. you are not, you're you are not aligned.
0: You're not a cog, right, right." So,
1: um, so let's uh let's talk about. Oh, one thing I want to talk about is the um. The God's Tweets thing. Oh yeah. So uh, my uh, you know, my
0: buddy Mark, you know, I had built that that app for them. Oh yeah, this, this 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 is the one with the long story. So it's it's your buddy Mark. He had the app is basically, I guess, the photo take, the app Taking photo fo- taking f- photos of um, signs outside churches.
1: Religious signs sometimes <laughs> have funny, yeah. yeah exactly.
0: Religious signs are sometimes funny, and then having a stream of those in the app and. They've been working I mean, it's kind of like coming on over a year to two years, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's I mean, it's live. It's, it's live. live. And yeah. you know, and you can upload photos. Except what happened well actually we had kind of in a beta stage where they just had friends and family playing with it. Yeah. And then the heart I because we did this thing on a shoestring and it's so much time in the app, the, the back end was just sitting on a, a virtual private server. It was cra- like, I mean,
0: a real crappy one. Like
1: Well, twenty dollars a month. It was fine. I mean, it was hard yeah. when it. there was hardly one using it. There's no okay. point in spending two hundred dollars a month yeah. or something, right? And um, just set it up on there and uh, there was no backup for the MySQL Se- for MySQL or anything it was just everything was just vanilla basic version point three or whatever right and yeah. as what happened the hard drive got corrupted right and we had data loss and uh, the database got all screwed up couldn't repair it tried all the rep- you know things that you do to repair MySQL none of it worked um, the only thing we were able to save was the users table yeah um And uh, so, I end up talking to my um, the the sysadmin guy I use, Nick. um, And uh, initially, I talked to you, but what we end up doing um, is is you were I was talking to you about how you do like backup, real time backup systems. Real time, yeah, yeah. yeah, I had uh, replication. You have a slave master replication, Mm -hmm. and then you do like an hourly or daily backup thing. Yeah. Well, what we end up doing is using um, um, AWS's RDS, so they're MySQL in the cloud. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's automatically—it's redundant. Yeah, it's automatically yeah. backed up, and so then I have to worry about it. So then I have the web server,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we have RDS for the My, for MySQL, and then um, and then for storing the images in S3. Yeah. So the images, the binary, the image, the images themselves are on S3. the 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 photo, photos table, of course, just has a you know the uh, key of the image that's stored in S3. Perfect. So that's perfect. So, but that took a long time to get set up correctly be, uh, for a variety of reasons. We had a lot of configuration problems, and I don't know what what the deal was. And
0: over the holidays, Nick was gone for. Re- are you also using Route 53 to like access to kind of give a domain to the S3 images, or are all the S3 images being called by the actual S3 path?
1: Um, yeah, you know. In fact, it's funny you mention that because yesterday, that was the last part of it. I was working yesterday. I had I was I got the S3 uploading the images. Yeah. S3. And now I'm trying to figure out how to pull them down into the app.
0: And I
1: see the URL. So it doesn't have to be a pretty URL.
0: Oh, it doesn't have to be a pretty URL? That's fine. You can just use the S3 bucket that they give you. If you want it to be pretty, there's a way of like mapping an actual domain to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't need to do that. So but
0: your guy will be able to set that up for you. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, that was, I thought that was a really good, clean. What, whereabouts did you put it? Where, where, where did you set your server up in America?
1: So uh, Northern California?
0: Northern California, yeah.
1: Think is the is the region, um, yeah. No, it's it's pretty it's pretty nice. I mean, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a, a little bit of a learning curve with. I mean, I mean S three wasn't that big of a learning. It was just you know, an hour reading through the docs and okay, you know, the fifteen different ways you can do authentication. You know, and uh, if you
0: if you ever like just thinking forward, like if they decide to like expand this concept and I don't know, do d- different areas or whatever. Um, there's a thing called Max CDN. Do you ever hear about that? Uh, CDN. So basically what you do is you put, it's, you've heard of Akamai, right? So it's basically, it's like the poor man's Akamai, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it works. So it's maxcdn.com. And then in your, in your app, you put maxcdn slash your name slash the route to the image. And then you tell the maxcdn app, you know, what to point at. So it's going to point to your S3 bucket. But what that'll do is it, it, they basically have, you know, uh, geolocated servers everywhere. And so it'll just pull pull it the images from a local server. First time it'll pull it from from S3, but it makes it it really makes a big difference, especially with mobile apps. And you know when it's being pulled from a server right next to you, it's like it's significant.
1: Now, how does it compare to Amazon's CloudFront
0: CDN? I'm, funny. I'm glad you asked that. Because
1: that's what I was looking at. I'm glad you that. asked that. I was actually, I was looking at that when I was getting all the stuff hooked up and I, I, and I was on Stack Overflow and they were mentioning it. And so I was like, I need to tell Mark about this.
0: Amazon CloudFront was our first option for for do So we used Amazon CloudFront. But for some reason, in various locations, it just didn't work. Just didn't work. It, it seemed to be, especially within school networks, that just images weren't working. So we so we moved to Mac CDN and there, there's no there was no issues. Really? Yeah. Now I don't know whether that's just some weird network setup, but I mean that was our experience. So it, it was really, really bugging us because we were syncing images to local servers and they just weren't coming down with a W get. So we're like, oh God. Well, you know, why why are these images disappearing? So we had kids of class, you know, uh, kids going into class and there's like missing all the images. That's a big problem. Yeah, it's a big problem, right? So we moved to Mac CDN. There was no issue from there.
1: So. Mm. okay well I'm probably going to t- I'll take a look at Maxi in addition to CloudFront because I think especially for the thumbnail
0: images oh you get that by default with the CloudFront do you?
1: Uh, I just think that's an ideal thing they were oh yeah yeah that, yeah you know, so.
0: but it sounds to me like CloudFront would be fine for you because I've got a feeling it's to do with badly configured school networks Yeah. you know you get like these these sysadmin in, in schools and they're probably like just don't understand they don't do a really good job of like setting up the DNS and all that kind of stuff I would say that's probably what the issue is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, well, the other thing, I so here's 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 a couple things that happened. Um, so I had to, we had to move everything over to S3. Yeah. And I need, you know, we had to, we needed to set up. I had to do some other back behind the scenes stuff, but the other thing I can't remember why. Oh, they, they moved. It was Mark and his brother Christian moved. Created a company account because it was it was under initially under Mark's the developer his developer account right the app and they're like well we want a company account so it doesn't say buy Mark D'Andrea it says Von D'Andrea Brothers LLC or whatever so yeah. they created this company and um, moved this is in the over. app store yeah yeah and, and iTunes Connect right they moved yeah. it over and now all of a sudden like I go to upload the app and I'm like I can't find app I'm like what happened to the app because I had his login developer account yeah right? and he's like oh we moved it over and I'm like oh crap So then, to get everything connected up, it wouldn't allow me to do it. Xcode does not... The current current version, of Xcode Xcode 5 that I was using, doesn't work with a new iTunes connect. So I had to upgrade my Xcode. But in order to upgrade Xcode, I had to upgrade to Yosemite.
0: (laughs) Of course, right? It's like such a nightmare. So I'm
1: like, okay, so then... So not only do I have to upgrade my OS... And upgrade Xcode and the Titanium SDK, and I had to do a bunch of reconfiguration to Titanium, and just basically screwed everything up from scratch. Because they're like, because he keeps saying, "Well, how long is this going to take?" And he always asks me that, and I'm like, I, I said this probably should only take a few, hours. Uh, you know, I said uploading the app, a new version app should only take thirty minutes. But then I am like, "Well,
0: it's now it's going to half take, a day.
1: Now it's going to take a number of hours, and it's going to be spread over a few days because I had to upgrade my entire system and nothing's going to work." it just wants things.
0: to like make your life hard.
1: Well, the thing is, is that. I tell them, I'm like, you know, and this is when you're talking to people who are otherwise smart people but aren't uh, experts with technology or yeah, experience no. technology, they understand that in a lot of ways these ecosystems are kind of brutal, yeah. you know, and they have to and, and they, when things change or upgrade, things don't work anymore, and it's not that you can't ever get it working, but it doesn't take 15 minutes. Like, It may, we, take, it may take half a day of searching on the web and going to answer question and answer systems and configuring stuff and reinstalling stuff and a lot of frustration and you finally get done. Well, that costs money.
0: Classic classic example. We moved to from digidu.com digidu.co to .com and we deleted one of the do, we deleted the .co email addresses. But all of the help videos had been uploaded via YouTube with the .co email address mm. which wasn't switched over. So YouTube auto so auto deleted all of the help videos like that kind of yeah thing.
1: <laughs> this stuff happens always happening. It's so hard to keep track of every really little thing. Yeah, everything's keyed to.
0: Did you did you did you notice how um, basically Yosemite has like made it not so fluid? Like just when you scroll on stuff, it's jerky now. Like it's I noticed that. yeah, it's just I don't understand. It's it's just annoying.
1: I haven't noticed that. I mean, it seems fine. I mean, Yosemite seems fine as far as an OS. Yeah, though it just it just. Um, the mistake I made is I downloaded it the night before and then I set the and then it didn't finish downloading until I went to sleep and so that I installed the next morning and then I I was offline until after lunch.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, the installation
1: just took. And the only thing is it just says one minute left and it just sits there for like three hours and it's just <laughs>
0: like, oh my god, don't. Talk. Robin Williams had a joke about that. He used to say, oh, this is what the Apple Time thinks like, <laughs> you know, and he was like, oh, one one minute, oh, sixty minutes, oh, two minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like, uh, it was a nightmare. Make
0: up your mind, Apple.
1: Um, but um. So I that so like so I've been so I've spend a lot of time on that. But the other thing is, it was the uh, uploading the images. This is the thing I'm wrestling with today that I hopefully will be a half hour work of research and twiddling until I get it right. But now, when you upload an image, the app of course needs access to your photos, right? And it has to and and there's a uh, is an XML file that basically specifies what message to ask the user when the app is requesting access to the photos, right? But it's not working. So now 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 uh, images won't upload. You
0: upload to the file first or directly to S3? Um, I'm uploading it directly to my
1: system to which the server. Which so so you doesn't. upload
0: to the server and then it uploads to the S3. I believe that there is the capability to upload directly from the app to S3. Just as Well, a, that's an fine, but,
1: but I still need to create, um, I still want to log in. Thumbnails. I still want to create a, a thumbnail and and process it and put it into, the, and put a thing into the table, photos
0: table. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, that Except makes much. sense. I mean,
1: I guess you could do it, but it's, it doesn't really matter because asynchronous. Because what'll happen is I'll put up a message saying the photo will appear in your photo stream in a few seconds, and then it's like two
0: seconds later. Are you do, when you when they upload it? Are you showing like a a status of the upload? No, because it's asynchronous. So once you do it, then it goes on, and you can go on to looking at other stuff. Oh, it it's asynchronous, just it doesn't make there. Yeah, it doesn't make you sit there. And once wait. You
1: go on about your business, and it'll, it'll show up in the
0: photo. That makes sense. Yeah, and which it was just really nice. But we just we just recently did that because because we had. Like we've, we've done a lot of scaling with Digidoo, so there's we use rabbit workers and we do a lot of different things like publishing or whatever. But one of the things that we didn't have scaled in that way was the uploading. So the, the API is, was just on one big server, but what I wanted to do was to split it up onto like 10 small ones. But the problem was is that when you uploaded an image, it uploaded the image to one of those machines. And so then if you wanted to move that image from somewhere else, the next request, the image may not be on the same machine, right? Because of load balancing. So we just we just did that S three conversion just like last right. week. Yeah. So it doesn't matter which machine you're on; it's always going to know where to talk to the image. Yeah, that that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: But I'm I I just hate fighting. I hate fighting with all this all this like iTunes, uh, Xcode, Titanium. You know, because there's so many pieces, and they all they're all moving, and they're all changing, and things just don't work sometimes. Mm. And it's just a nightmare. I mean, Titanium is great in a lot of ways, but it's just like you know. It's, I don't know if I should blame it on Titanium. I'd just be dealing with Xcode. Yeah. Because I think Titanium is kind of a, a thin wrapper. Yeah. It's SDK is kind of a thin wrapper. But
0: Xcode seems painful.
1: Code and it's just,
0: uh, I don't know. So I'm hoping I can get his images up. But if I can do that, then I'm kind of done. If you were developing like a new app and you were going to do it, um, would you do? and it was going to be ultimately on Android, would you think about Android from the ground up or would you just do it like some point in the future? I'd do it Titanium scratch. That's what I mean. Titanium for iOS or would you be thinking I about? Know, I do a titanium and, 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 and Android simultaneously. Oh, so you so you'd have to you'd have you'd yeah. test them in both. No, I no, I would do it like every this. screen. You test it in iOS and you test it in Android.
1: Yeah, because and, and, and that's what they recommend too. I first of all I made a mistake of not doing that on an earlier app that I had done.
0: Yeah, and
1: it, it's it's sort of like if you built the whole thing back, you know, let's say six or seven years ago, you built the whole thing on Firefox. Yeah, and then you didn't test it on A, and then you bring it up on I, and everything's broken, and you're like, oh my god, what's not yeah. working? And it's, of course,
0: there's like thirty-five things not working. And it's hard to get down to the bottom of But if you just go screen for screen, you test. Do you use any system components, or do you do everything where you skin it in a view? Like, so basically, what I'm talking about, just for listeners. So Titanium will will say, you know, like tab bar, and it, and it will it will map that to an iPhone style tab bar, or it will map that to an Android style tab bar. But the but that's kind of finicky to do it that way. And what Jason's done, I think, in the past, is rather than use a tab bar, he's just made his own like buttons or buttons, buttons that 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 are a tab bar in quotes Well,
1: because if you look at any of the of the first tier applications Cora, uber facebook i don't know whatever twitter any really use... really elegant looking they don't they they kind of custom do stuff yeah you know and and if you look at them on their
0: but but, the, but, the, but as, as well as that like there's the benefit that that it will be. It will look the same on Android and iOS.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times, right? But you, you don't always necessarily like, want them to look exactly the like, because it, depending what you're trying to do. Some yeah. apps, if they're, you know, maybe you make them look exactly the same. But what you can do is make them look 80 to 95 percent similar, but make them a little, just a little bit different, just because this is how Android people like are used to seeing it. Yeah. And you know, you don't want to impose an iOS aesthetic on Android and vice versa. Just like it's really annoying when you would see like. A Windows app on OS on on, a, right. on you know or something. It just it looks really. But annoying. I mean,
0: Uber is neither. I mean, if you but yeah. like, like Uber is is neither iOS nor Android, so therefore it just kind of works on both. That's right. So that maybe that's a good a good strategy. That's a
1: good strategy too. You yeah. know, and sometimes they look very similar. Like I, wonder what I was when I was looking, at. I think it was like Evernote or something. Like they were they were different, but they weren't really different because of the OS. They were just different. It was just like different teams just did them slightly differently. Oh okay. Uh, I I don't know, but the the, the OS. The 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 aesthetic of the of iOS and Android are kind of converging. They don't, might look much more similar now than they did like you know four or five years
0: ago for sure. All right, an unrelated discussion, um, and I don't have too much to say about this, but I just want to say that I thought it was interesting, and I want to see what you have to say about it because you always have interesting things to say about things that I find interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Well, thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, Richard. So, uh, you know, Richard Chen, our buddy, who we said goodbye to three times. And, yes. Uh, who now so lives. It.
1: So Richard, Richard, <laughs> who we initially met because he, Michael went, went to microconf. I, I think I saw him on a plane once or twice and we would hang out and hung out at microconf. Right. And he came to the, the Texing summit.
0: Living in Taipei now.
1: Yes. Before he left, we went to... Well, I went out with them twice. I know what you guys did. Three times. You had like three goodbye dinners. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. It was, it was oh. like The Hobbit. It was, it was The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. This one was a movie where they just would constantly say... I don't know. Lord of the Rings. It was like the, like the end of Lord of the Rings of The Return of the King it was like 30 minutes of goodbyes.
0: <laughs> so he sent me this, he sent me this um, link to a TED talk about, you know, what the internet's like in China. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was interesting so I'll sh- I'll tell you the, what it's like and how you know why I think it's interesting and then I'm here interested to hear what you think about it. So basically, it's almost like they don't have censorship in a kind of a way. Like there's there's the Great Firewall of China, right? And they have no access or very little access to the rest of the internet. So there's two internets. There's the internet in China with six hundred million people on it, and then there's the rest of the internet. And they have a, basically like a copy paste of all of our services. So where we have Twitter, they have something that's like Twitter. Clones. Yeah, basically clones. Yeah. But, but one, one interesting thing is their Twitter clone because it's 240 character limit, but because with China, you know, in, in Chinese, you can say a whole word in one character. Right. So it's kind of like microblogging. So it's kind of like they've got 600 million microbloggers that can actually say a lot more than you can in a tweet, hmm. but, but they don't feel, um, I mean, although there's, there is censorship, like, but the thing is they they've given them like a sandbox. So in China, you have a sandbox to kind of express yourself up to a point which is kind of interesting because other regimes the way that they've done it they've done the same thing but they've it's completely censored and obviously that makes people angry or whatever so you kind of have you have this sense of freedom in China even though you are censored there and um it's just kind of weird like what it i mean does it matter that they don't access the, the rest of the internet i mean what do you think does it matter in what way well just from the it, like as, as, as a Westerner, we would look in and say, okay, these guys are censored. That's really, really bad. Like, their firewall, that's really, really bad. But from their perspective, there is 600 million people, and it seems like a very free internet within that firewall. Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess... I mean, they have certain topics that are just off
0: that you're just not allowed to talk about. Well, right? the, but the thing is, they kind of do talk about them, but they use code words, and when there's 600 million people, like, what do you do? You can't... as As, as the ruling regime, you can't go and, like, squash... You know, a hundred million people. Do you know what I mean? Well,
1: no, they, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. I mean, you know, they always say that about the internet. Like, the government can't do this, and now the government has a pretty good does a pretty good job of of, of sort of putting an end to things that they don't like. Eventually, right? And, um, you know, it's like oh, remember how you know all the music pirate was pirated on Napster? They can't stop it; internet's too free. And then it's like they shut it down. You have enough lawsuits and people thrown in jail. They shut that down pretty damn quick. It's true, yeah. You know, and um, anything they say that. Oh, they can't stop. The internet's too big. There's too many people. Pfft. You know, the, the governments have, I you know, a near monopoly on the use of force, and uh, you know, they can throw you in jail. They can ruin your life. You know, so they, if they eventually there's enough political will, they will shut your ass down. You know, if if they don't like it. I mean, basically, but the, China, the US, or any other country.
0: So for the guy, for the people who started the YouTube clone or the Twitter clone or whatever. Like, the only rule they have to do is to open every piece of data to the government, you know?
1: Well, that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, you just see that, that Obama and, and but David Cameron were just talking about their new little cyber, where they're kind of... Oh, this is Cameron's top. idea, yeah? Yeah, that you know that in, they're trying to... What's prevent that? ...invent any encrypted messaging apps. Yeah. You know? I mean, Obama's in that way, too. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, it's hopefully it'll be a big pushback on that. But, um, you know, it's, it's not just the Chinese,
0: mm.
1: you know, governments, you know, I mean, governments strive for uh, power, you know, the reason, the reason people go into politics, Any it's, for pow- it's for power.
0: Any letters from the dark side no, today? Say,
1: well, say, <laughs> you know why people go to wall street for money, right? Yeah. You know, money primarily, then maybe some power. Yeah. Okay? You know, people go to the government for power primarily. Then maybe a little money frame, right? And that's why they say whatever they need to, right? Yeah, I mean it's like, yeah, there are people who go there for, you know, the right reasons. They would do this and that. But in the the day, it's so much to get those things done. It's so much about the accumulation and and, and exercise of power. And and there's all the people throughout the system, not just the politicians themselves, all the staffers, that power is the game, yeah, right? And that's and it becomes the soul of the machine. And uh, you know, it's just and, and and you have these big. Entities within government—it's not like government's a monolith. So we're talking about the FBI, CIA, NSA, Pentagon, Homeland Security, you know, FCC, whatever—they all are separate little fiefdoms, and they all have massive hierarch- hierarchies of bureaucrats and appointees and everybody who have their own trajectories and agendas and personal, um, you know, things that they hold personally important, and um, and uh, they l- look to. Achieve those things. And a lot of times, achieving those things is exercising power in some way that's, you know, over people like us and everybody else.
0: What do you think of uh, the whole Cuba borders opening up thing? About time. Yeah, about time? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, this whole not talking to isolating countries and not talking to them is just asinine. You know, we don't talk to North Korea, we don't talk to Iran, or we don't talk to Russia. It was just stupid. You know, I mean, it's just... I mean, the problem is that the U.S. gets so much into this. Um, we view ourselves as the world hegemon. It's our game, and you either do what you're told, get in line, and you'll be a vassal state, you're subservient to us, or we will attempt to uh, ruin your economy, whether it's Russia, Iran, or you know, or you know, you know we'll we'll bring freedom to your ass, like Iraq and Libya, <laughs> Syria, right? Mm. You know, I mean you know, it's the U S you know, there are people who, um, in the government who think in terms of more like what they call like Wilsonian interventionism, which is sort of like this sort of liberal idea. ideas. Well, well, they're doing it for the right reasons, but there are other people. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people like in, especially in the military and state department, where it really is about, you know, um, you know, uh, real politic or whatever, which is sort of like, it's about geopolitics and the exercise of power and, you know, you know, you think, well, what is our what is our problem with Iran? Well, the whole nuclear weapons, you know, program Iran. have has been debunked so many times. It's just total bullshit. But um, it's not really about that. It's a good part of inertia, and it's a good part about like we're the boss. You do what you're told, but they don't want to be brought to heel. Iran does not want to be told what to do. China and and Russia do not want to be told what to do. But we are always working to get everyone you, to be in line with us.
0: Do you think that um, North Korea were behind the uh, Sony hack? No, that was totally, that was total crap. Was it just like no, a bunch of no kiddies? Evidence.
1: Well, anytime... Oh, i will just bring
0: your mic up there. Yeah. Anytime,
1: here's a, here's, a, here's a good little heuristic. Anytime the government claims they have evidence and proof, and that they're absolutely certain of something, but refuse to share it, you can almost guarantee it's utter bullshit. So whether it is weapons, weapons of mass, mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction is right. what everyone knows. So that was utter bullshit. The connection between Al Qaeda and Saddam, utter debunked, utter bullshit. Um, remember that? Uh, do you remember the uh, the the uh, chemical weapons attack in Syria that they yeah. that, that that Kerry and um and Obama went on TV for like a week trying to convince that we had to go to war. They just crossed the red line. So that right. turned out yeah. that was Seymour Hersh. who's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. I think it was in the New York Review of Books wrote um, a big piece basically debunking all of that that it was essentially a uh, a rebel attack that used yes that was um i guess it was was sort of smuggled in through iraq parts of the mac and um in turkey hmm. i think erdogan
0: erdogan guys kind of <laughs> so in so in this case so facilitated it so uh, it it serves them to say it's north korea because that's enemy de jour kind of thing
1: yeah okay so you know and, and if you talk to it mean, like oh, i mean what's what's the guy um Who's the, uh, the really well-known uh, security blogger who always is? Uh, you know, I'm talking about has the the gray hair guy, the ponytail. He's um, every time he's on Hacker News, he's always right. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking on him, but you know, y- you go around. It was just like there was a ton of articles that was just like all of the top security. Researchers, all the reasons uh, why. I mean, basically, all basically, the top security researchers, researchers saying, look. There's no evidence of this. There's no evidence Well, the of that, evidence this,
0: this was, this, this was that, that it had Korean, like a North Korean character set in one of the DLLs or something. That was the evidence.
1: No, no, that there was a Korean. Yeah, but the thing is, they said there was a character set, but what they were saying is that the, the messaging and the stuff was like broken English, but it was like fake. It was the wrong kind of broken English. Right, right. You no, know, it was like somebody pretending that they don't speak English. And then the Korean that they're writing was not of the North Korean dialect. And North Koreans speak a, a such a different version of Korea. Korean that when you even have North Korean defectors, you have people having a hard time communicate Koreans having a hard time communicating with them. right. Um, and there was a there's a ton of I mean I read the article in like a month or whatever, but there was a ton of reasons why it was just bullshit. And of course the U.S. is like refusing to, to release their evidence.
0: So what do you oh. think the the reason? I mean, who do you think really did it and, and why?
1: Oh, I think I, I think, what was this? I mean, it was I don't know who did it, but I mean, it was just I think it was just probably just a hacker group just a script kiddies. You no, know, I don't think it was kiddies. Like, I think it was just some hackers who... Hackers, but it... It's I don't know. If, I think that there was some evidence that it might have someone who was an ex-employee or something. But It's a
0: pretty vulnerable network where you can get onto everyone's machine and get, you know, basically everyone's machine in the network and do that.
1: I mean, so one of the things is that the whole North Korea thing wasn't even mentioned until like two weeks after yeah, the attack. Right. And it wasn't until after the 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 mainstream media started speculating that it wasn't North Korea. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, North Korea, you totally, you know. Yeah, you know, and they're just I think it's just this it's all for lulls. It was just screwing with the media. First it was for money. Like they were trying to They were
0: trying to do a ransom. Yeah. They were
1: trying to ransom. They were uh, they were um not ransom but it's a um I'm blanking on the word. I'm having a hard time with words today, but uh uh you know it was about money. Hmm. And I think there was also some lulls like, oh we'll throw off the scent, we'll screw with them, we'll do this, we'll do that. I mean, you know, and it probably is not just one person. And then you yeah. have, you know, even if you have a handful of people operating semi, kind of together, but semi independently, they might just do things. Oh, I'm going to do this. This is going to be hilarious. Or I'm going to ask yeah. this. Be like, what do you, you know, I don't know. So that, but yeah, I, anyway, the one thing you want to know from this is that when the, when the, when the, when the, especially when it comes to like national security related things, whenever the government comes out and says, oh, we have absolute we're absolutely sure of this so we have evidence, but we can't share with you. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. Also, another perfect example was the, the U S came out and said, Oh, we have, we know that the, um, the Russian, the, 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 it was like the, um, the, you know, in the, in the Ukraine, it was the Russian rebels or the, who shot down the, the plane. Right. And they had absolute certainty, but then they wouldn't share it. But then Russia and or else came out, had all of their data out and they would share it and said, no, it was, it was the Ukrainians. Um, and, but the, but the Americans, we won't share it. So we know, trust us, but we're not going to share it. But you know what i say? saying? What I'm saying is like, trust in God, but everyone else bring data. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. Trusting.
1: I Actually, I have to give that's Phil always says that. I don't know where yeah. he got that from it. I love that. Trust great. in God,
0: everyone else bring data. So, um, <laughs> so do you have any links related to this, this side of things?
1: Uh, I don't, I mean, you know, this has been like weeks since we talked about
0: this stuff. okay so one, i want to like our, an, our sense this stuff happened My, i'm just kind of moving just to keep just to keep the discussion rolling well i what, want
1: to ask you a question oh oh fine
0: i wanted to ask you what you thought of uh, elon musk and like the thing the hyperloop that well the hype the hyperloop that he's doing the falcon that almost landed on the barge okay after like, that, i'll answer this all the stuff he's doing
1: i'll ask the question of this but then i have to ask
0: all you right it. okay fair, fair
1: okay um yeah so i guess the the uh the the, I can't. Remember, what's the what's the name of the rocket? A Falcon nine. Falcon it? next. Yeah. So the reason it didn't land is it is it la- it ran out of hydraulic fuel to control the fins.
0: It was like twenty. Right at the very end. M- missing twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fifty percent. No, But now they've added fifty percent more. Like it just yeah. ran at like last. I
0: don't know what it was. Minute. There before. was a great video on Vine of like so, so, Or someone had obviously put their camera on deck, and you could just see the whole thing come down. It was like really cool. Yeah. I mean, like,
1: it's it's awesome. And they, I mean, they're they're almost there. I mean, that you know. How, you can barely deploy an app or website without something breaking.
0: Right, First, right. Right.
1: So like you gotta this something is expensive. This is gonna win. and it's well, it is, this is everyone
0: expensive. in the industry was like, Oh my god, you actually hit the hit the mark. Like, congratulations. It was like the so media close. that was saying, yeah.
1: The next one, I, they'll probably give it the next one or or two, they'll get it. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal, man. I mean, you know, what Incredible. can you say about Elon Musk? I mean, the guy is just a phenom.
0: And then um just fun and fun. And then the hyperloop. Which is going ahead in Texas? He's he's moving it forward. Is
1: it in Texas? Is that yeah, Texas? Happening? That
0: they're going to do a test track in Texas. He wants to set up a, 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 competition. a competition.
1: I like the competitions, like the X Prize stuff, yeah, Netflix yeah. stuff. I think that I think that uh, it garners a lot of interest and a lot of new ideas, and it's it's a very inexpensive way to get a lot of uh, innovation. One other.
0: What, what's incredible about Elon Musk? I mean, this is. I mean, there's many things incredible, but something else that's incredible is that, I mean, he just does a tweet. And TechCrunch turns the tweet into an entire concept. So he's just really done two tweets about the X Prize. One of them is, you know, oh, we think. I'm- I think I'm going to do that. This thing in Texas. So uh, TechCrunch goes and turns that tweet. They do the research, and now all of a sudden we see all the information. And the same thing about the competition. It was just a tweet. So he's like so respected. You know, who's also like-, <laughs> like
1: that is Mark Andreessen. There was a big article. Larry Summers. You know, what right. Larry Summers is. Uh, he I've was, heard of him. Yeah, he was like the head of uh, the. Uh, I guess. Uh, I think it was Clinton, but also uh, Obama's uh, Council on Economic Advisors. And I think he was head of this, uh, the um, the Treasury Department for a while or whatever. And yeah. He was the guy. And you remember, remember in the uh, Social, Social Network where the winklevy went to complain to the, uh, the administration, the guy, yeah. about someone stealing an idea, and he just, like, laughs them out of the room? That's Larry Summers. He used to be the, the president <laughs> of Harvard.
0: Nice, nice.
1: Anyway, so he's, in terms of government economics, he's, like, hugely important figure. Um, whether or not I agree with everything he says or does, I mean he's considered a huge deal. Anyway, he writes a big blog uh, article. I think it was was it the like Economist or I don't know. I don't remember where it was. I, I, but it was basically discussing the ideas that Mark Andreessen brought up in a tweet storm. Yeah. So Mark just Mark Andreessen just says Bla, blah 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 blah, and then so then we get a full <laughs> thoughtful discussion on it by Larry Summers.
0: That's it's incredible. Isn't like, that amazing? Yeah.
1: You know, guys like that. Once you well, once you achieve a certain amount of of credibility as not only a, a super a bright uh, person who knows a lot, but also has achieved a lot of success and not only has, has a lot of money. I guess too, these guys are billionaires who can move. Markets in a way who, who change the direction of the world, then they really can change the direction of the world. Of even by even just saying a few small things.
0: So another another incredible thing about uh, Elon Musk that I just found out the other day. And by the way, this is the reason why Elon Musk is the picture that's next to my bed when I wake up every morning. <laughs> so we do have to remember to mention i don't have his name to hand right now but uh someone who sent us an app who made fun of me about that and his app is like oh, uh, happy Scales, happy scales happy com, and he it's an app where you can put a picture a motivational picture so uh-huh. I, I will put a picture of elon musk on my happy scales <laughs> but um so, not how old is he now? He's just like... Elon Musk? Yeah, he's like 35 or something? No, he's 40. 40? 40, 40. 40. He's, like he's like a year younger. Did you know that in his first marriage, like, not only did he do all of this stuff, right? You know how you're always saying, oh my God, like three kids, it's it's like, he had five kids in his first marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, that's... I mean, talk about getting a lot done Yeah, when you're young.
1: Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was I going to say about that? I lost my train of thought. Oh. Oh yeah, you know, so I was thinking about this too. You know, you're you're asking kind of bringing these two ideas together. You're asking me like why why do um you know, why would uh, I teach math to these kids? Right. Right. Well, on the one hand, you read about if you read about the glut of 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 science and math PhDs. So like if you get a PhD from a top university in In any term of mathematical or science-related subject or anything, the uh, the possibility of getting tenure is like one in ten.
0: I just read read, there was a great article about it, which was on Hacker News. um, A career in science will cost you your firstborn.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was an
0: awesome, interesting article about that.
1: I read that a while a while back too. So that's there's just way too many uh, PhDs being produced for academia. Okay, so it's almost like. You know, it's almost like if you wanted to study science or be a mathematician, it's almost like being a monk. It's like the new monasticism. Oh,
0: that's interesting, right? yeah. Right, you know? it's good similar, yeah. Um,
1: but the way I would think about it is I I'd like, you know, um, you can shoot for that if you want for fun, but I would think about learning, learning that kind of stuff, getting maybe a master's degree. Maybe not getting a PhD. A master's degree might get maybe an eighty twenty role, right? Get the, and then go into industry you start up to whatever, and then you're in a position to do something really cool. So, like, two people who are like this, just up top of my head, Elon Musk being one of them. So he had he had, he had undergrad degree in business and physics. He was going to get a master's degree, but then he dropped out after like a week to go do um, Zip2, his first internet startup. Um, but the other person like this is Jeff Hawkins, who did uh, the Palm Pilot and then went and started the uh, the Redwood Institute and doing all that. He wrote that book on intelligence. Yeah. So, um, you know, like if you don't Study math and science, then you have no shot at doing any of these kind of interesting things because you just don't have the the, the tools
0: to do them. You just don't know them all. You, the best you can do is fund other people to do it. If you so you're it saying right. Elon Musk couldn't be chief rocket engineer if he didn't study math?
1: No way. The reason is because he had you know he yeah. said he had an undergraduate in physics, so he had a baseline of of mathematical skills and analytical and technical ability that he could then teach himself from there. Just like okay. It's like knowing, let's say an undergraduate degree in physics is maybe like knowing how to write some PHP pages, you know? Okay, right, compared to building a rocket. But it was enough, it's like, okay, if you really want to learn a bunch of more advanced technologies and stuff, you could then go from there. But if you didn't know how to code at all, it's kind of hard. Right. So um, he, um, and so I think about that, like, for, like, if I was advising Colby, for instance, let's say that he got into... You know, school and got an undergraduate degree or something, I would say, you know, maybe go get a master's degree in physics or aerospace engineering, whatever you're doing. Like, his idea is he wants to do like a, you know, his idea now is a 10-year-old. We'll see what happens later. But like he wants to create like a SpaceX. Like, that's what he wants to do. I'd be like, intern at SpaceX. Get it, go to, you know, top school and get a study the stuff. Maybe work a year or two there. But I said, the problem is you can't go, like, Elon Musk didn't start SpaceX out of college. Or right. Tesla. No. He did Zip2. He did like a directory. Not really very cool in, in comparatively, right? And then PayPal, which is interesting, but it's still not that cool. You can't go after that, that kind of stuff until you've made your hundreds of millions, right? So, yeah. and, so it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like, yeah, you know, if you want to do like the cool cutting edge science and like make good money, that's a tough thing to do. You can go be completely broke and you and make 30 grand a year or whatever it is working at you know these colleges in the middle of nowhere as a, as a non- tenure track instructor and teach some course and work in someone's lab or you can go work at a company and potentially make money but then you may not be working on the, on very cool stuff. So the question is how can you get a situation where you you can make good money you know at least make good money, at least make six figures. Maybe not make hun- tens or hundreds of millions, but then also get to
0: do work on the, on the coolest so stuff. So you're so smart that y- you you are going to be good enough at being an entrepreneur and a builder and build a couple of companies that are going to net you a couple of hundred million. And that's just like your stepping stone. And you always know, oh, that's just my stepping stone. I'm just going to do PayPal because I know that really I'm really going to do SpaceX.
1: I don't think, um, <laughs> I don't know if I have to go back. I don't know if Elon Musk ever that. He doesn't sound
0: like he ever planned that. It was just some, you know... It becomes available to you. Maybe, maybe it's the other way around. It's like, oh, I do, you know what? I kind of did that. That was, like, pretty outrageous. Well, oh, maybe I'll go for something even more outrageous. Now, now I've got my couple hundred million and I'm going to build an electronic car company, you know?
1: Yeah. Maybe uh, that's Well, how it works. Jeff Hawkins definitely says that. When you read the book On Intelligence, he, he talks about how he started PayPal. His whole goal was he wanted to do neuroscience research with a goal of creating an artificial intelligence that worked similar to the brain, but nobody, there were no labs in the country that were really working in that direction. And he knew that the only way he was ever going to be able to do that is he was going to have to be able to make a lot of money.
0: Have to be rich. Funny. That's actually funny because okay. Jeff Hawkins and Elon Musk then are kind of, in a sense, diametrically opposed about their opinion of whether we should get really into artificial intelligence. Yeah. So Elon Musk is worried about, you know, he calls it summoning the demon. Very worried about it. Yeah. Mike Bostrom. Worried enough to donate 10 million to, Study of ethics so. to basically yeah to, to make sure that it doesn't happen
1: yeah so you have on the one side you have Nick Bostrom who wrote uh, I think
0: Superintelligence
1: he's the guy who's who's he's the Oxford professor who spent a lot
0: ancestral of, simulation yeah
1: talking about the ancestral simulations and then you had uh, Stephen Hawking yeah Elon Musk yeah a lot of very bright people who are concerned um,
0: that AI could you know get out of the box and affect well they're just saying I mean so I guess in some ways it's good to listen to them because I almost think AI is kind of impossible to get true consciousness, but they are taking a step further and they're saying they think it is possible. And if it is possible, it's very dangerous.
1: Yeah. So it may, I don't know if, I don't know. I think it'd be very difficult to achieve what we would, might we call consciousness. But then again, you would ha- it would be very difficult to determine if it is or is not conscious. It, you could get to the point where it, it, the mimicry is so good that I always debate. Like, it, how do I know whether you're conscious or you're not That's really good emulation of what I'm doing? Like I know I'm conscious, but I don't really know if Justin Vincent's is conscious. It's because I'm talking to you and you're, you have you know, facial expressions and emotions. You're saying things. If something gets so good, at we'll what point?
0: I like the, the, the article that I was reading about this. Um, it said, Here's an example of how an artificial intelligence could be dangerous to humans. We could say, we could say, whatever you do, humans, you should not interrupt with humans' happiness, and you should try and make humans happy. And the artificial intelligence could kind of um, interpret that as basically zapping everyone's brain so that you kind of remove the circuitry that makes you unhappy, and you just basically lobotomize everyone because then they'll all be happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a, little, there's a lot of funny things like that because you figure out, like, what are their directives? What's, right. What are they trying to optimize for? And so I guess in, in one sense, I find I'm find i skeptical that AI is as close as people are think it might be. But on the other hand, I think, you know, if, if AI became good enough at um, evolving its architecture and solving uh, novel problems and having then, you know, you might, you might be in,
0: yeah, maybe they could be in trouble. Did you see the series Extant? Quite a good exploration of this concept. Uh, a guy creates a little kid. I mean, anyway, I, I won't tell you about it, but it's, it's quite a good... Extant? Extant, yeah. It's is it quite, on Netflix? It's, or? It, it's probably on Netflix. It's just just short, maybe 10, but it's, it, amongst other things, it explores this concept of basically a guy creates a child, and the child is a, in a, like an artificial intelligence child, an android, and just... How that child grows and you know feels and thinks as it it interacts with humans, and the kind of the decisions that it makes.
1: You know, another one I've heard about that I've been wanting to check out is Black Mirror.
0: Oh, I've seen a lot of write-ups about Black Mirror. People saying really, really good things about it. Excellent in
1: Black Mirror, You know, one that Colby's been watching that looks really funny. I saw the preview for it the other day, and he's is a video game high school. <laughs> these kids, they don't stall, You know, they don't study physics or whatever. They still, You know, they they're, they just play video. They're, they're like <laughs> these like games. So it shows they're like in these virtual game worlds If really ever
0: there funny. was a mo- like, God, that those people look okay. Let's look at Twitch. Oh wow, there's millions of kids doing this. Let's create a TV show about this.
1: It, I Makes was sense. watching the the preview. looked really funny. And he's been well, he like. Well, yeah, he likes it. But um, yeah. So I, in terms of the AI. I mean, there's been a lot of articles about the growth of AI and in the in deep learning getting being used a lot more by a lot more companies to do a lot more things, and it's exciting. Like, I think if I was going to tell you know Colby, for instance, like in high school, like what we should start doing projects get really good on, I'd be like machine learning. That's if you want to like make money in the short term, you eventually do rockets, do do robotics and machine learning, and uh, deep learning is the that, deep learning is the current best thing that we know, but maybe in five or 10 years, they're like, ah, deep learning's like, mm. that's not cool. What school is this? This is way more versatile and powerful, but um, that's what I would become an expert in, you know, because um, all these, um, but then, of course, that the whole thing may change within the next five or six years. You know, that's really hot right now in 2014, 2015, but 2020, mm-hmm. 2025, it might be kind of like, meh. <laughs> it kind of peters out. Like, it was there's a hype cycle of deep learning this, deep learning that and then it just doesn't really pan out. You know, something I was thinking about the other day uh was about the whole, you know, you know, talking about the singularity and everything is the idea of like uploading your intelligence. Mhm. You know, the problem is though if it's just like the teleportation thing, which is that like if you teleported from here to here, what they what they it's would It's not you anymore. It's not you anymore. Yeah. You're you're destroyed. Essentially they just create a replication, digital replication and then reconstructed you, but it's not you. So, because if the destruction then happened to you, and that thing that was created over there was another Justin it Vincent. They killed you. They killed you, but you're not feeling and seeing what that version of Justin Vincent is feeling and seeing. Right. right? It's not you. Uh-huh. You're dead. So, like, if they upload your intelligence, so if they, let's, they created this, let's say that they created this incredibly high-resolution um, clone of your brain. Let's say it's like 100,000 times or a million times more high resolution than the best mri types things we have now. And they can, based on all your neurons and dendrites and axons and stuff, they say, okay, we based on this, we can create a digital model of your brain, upload it to this virtual universe, and you can have you know, immortality and all stuff. But the reality is it's not you. It's just a copy of you, right? Because like if I just take a demo, if I, let's say we had that right now. And I did this clone, this digital clone of you, and I put it in the system. You're not feeling <laughs> or feeling what that thing's doing, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you live forever. It's just this clone replica of you.
0: It's a really weird concept. It's hard to wrap your brain around. I mean, it's um, it's kind of terrifying because then there'd be two of you, and both of you wouldn't want to die. Right. And and then there could be another copy of you. Then there'd be three of you, and three of you wouldn't want to die. So.
1: Sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a sci-fi thriller, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and my clone. You know, just have like a digital clone of you that has like, it's kind of become sort of competitive and maybe,
0: uh, so what, there, maybe there was distrustful this, or disdainful of you. There was a thing on, an MPR, on NPR about this guy who loved this bull, and um, he loved it so much that he really liked his temperament, everything about it, and just for some reason he really liked this prize bull that he had. He got it cloned. And the clone was basically exactly the same. Anyway, this one grew up and basically mauled him and like...
1: Oh, well, you talked about. You said this was on the um, NPR. Yeah, yeah. I, this is a couple years ago. Yeah, the, yeah. And this American Life.
0: Yeah. So, th- mm-hmm. so yeah. So it's like an exact clone, completely different personality.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it was a, a a clone DNA wise. Yeah. But if we took a high resolution copy of your brain, like that's your that's brain. that's an exact. Well, at right. least within the
0: virtual substrate, uh, you know, maybe it's. Like- I'm sure there must be a simile in the computer world for that. It's like I guess it's like. You could have two versions of, like, OSX, but one of them could be cloned from your computer running right now, and one of them is a fresh install.
1: Right. Yeah. And then you go along, and it depends on what programs have been installed, whatever. It's yeah. kind of like a lot of things that are different
0: about it. So, But doesn't that really argue, like, really kind of proves the nurture argument, right? That just whatever happened to this bull, it, your brain is a computer program that 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 kind of gets created. As you go along, doing things like experiences on top of experiences on top of experiences. Well, there's
1: a lot of different argument. You say the nurture argument. I mean, you know,
0: there's a lot of different n- nature nurture arguments. So, what are you saying? So, like. Well, I'm saying in this instance, it was a genetic copy, and he had a completely different personality, like, and ended up killing the, you know, mauling the guy.
1: Yeah, and first of all, you're talking about a bull, though. But yeah, you know, do twins? Do you have twins who are who behave differently and have different lives? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But yeah, in terms of like. The whole, the big, what they normally talk about when they refer to the nature-nurture argument is like, what's your capacity? Right, You know, and it's like, well, can you make yourself smarter? Can you do this? Can you do that? And it's like, well, to some degree you can, to some degree there's genetics, right? You think, I mean, yeah. You know, to a certain degree it's, the, the we have certain innate capacities. I mean, there's certain people who take it to the nth degree and, you know, and who are real extremists on either side. It's like, well, you're a complete blank slate. And, you know, there's that guy who... Who had his daughter? Who, who who trained his daughter um, to become this world class? She was becoming the first grand, female grandmaster, and she, she was an amazing chess player. And her her, her two younger sisters were as well. And he, that was to prove that you can make anyone a grandmaster. But the reality was, is he was himself was like a mathematician or something. Like he's a really right. bright guy. It's like, dude, you got like hundred and fifty IQ. He should have just picked a, a random person. That doesn't prove much. You get a yeah. random group of kids. You get a random group of thirty kids. And you teach them chess every day, and like, let's see what's the average chess rating after 10 years or something like that. Or can you, you know, what's their capacity?
0: Would it be too, is it too politically dangerous to talk about Charlie Hebdo? What are your thoughts on that?
1: No, that's not that.
0: Right yeah, thing. okay, fair enough.
1: I'm I mean, just because it's sort of like, it's too- we're running out of time, and All right. I just have some stuff I want to talk about. Okay, go on. What do you want to talk about? Well, I want to ask you about your, uh, oh, yeah. you your, your cross- walking desk oh yeah that's a big deal
0: it is a big deal you know so something- first
1: of all i want to say i was kind of i, I don't know how else, well it's working yeah i was kind of laughing at you as being the <laughs> laziest person alive <laughs> your 15 minute lifting workout yeah. and your walking desk like that's how you do. but at the same time i have to give you credit because you keep trying <laughs> you keep trying different things yeah you, you know which is very much how you program you'll just like randomly trial kind of things. exactly you it's exactly
0: that's what that's what georgie doesn't understand like like you're an iterator you are an iterator i iterate and with programming i iterate really fast and i get it done the problem is is with health it's hard to iterate so fast but i do just as many iterations but i'm pretty confident this time this time (laughs) and anyone who's been listening to the show for five years right like (laughs) like,
1: (laughs) i'm laughing at you but at the same time i do understand that if you weren't confident are hopeful, you really wouldn't give it a fair effort. right? So you kind of have to come and say, okay, I think this experiment is going to work. Like if you run an experiment as a scientist and you pretty much think it's going to fail, you may actually be influencing the results, you know? (laughs) Um, Right. So, but but, but the thing I want to say is if I'm also believe, I I am a believer in achieving sort of workout economy. Right. I'm trying to do a better job of that. And I think in, in achieving economy and anything, efficiency. Like, how do I do something more efficient, efficiently? Like, well, if I can achieve, if I can accomplish something in 10 minutes as opposed to an hour, then I want to do it in 10 minutes.
0: Exactly, I'm trying to be efficient. And, and as you say, if there's a loophole, I'll drive a truck through it.
1: Yeah, but, well, that's what I keep trying <laughs> to do. That's right. If I, if I give you a
0: loophole, you are, you're, you're yeah, you yeah. drive a truck through it. So, but, but so, okay, so my previous theory was uh, the the 15 minute, workout stuff I am really enjoying because although it's not like sculpting me into some big muscle guy, what it is, what it is doing is it's making it much easier for me to just generally live life, like pick up Jack, you know, just just move around, do stuff, lug rubbish, rubbish around. Like, because before there was nothing, I was doing nothing, right? So I, I had nothing strengthening, strengthening my muscles. So it seems to me that it gives you this kind of base level of um, strength, and funct- strength and functional, functional strength. Functional strength, right? Do
1: you feel like, like when you walk upstairs or when you pick things up, do you feel different?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: That's great. How much, how much have you increased your strength based on what their calculations have
0: given? Have you- I see. It's kind of what I wish is, I wish that I tried to do. Yeah, the, the, you got a max, a I little wish I had a max in the first place, but I don't think they wanted to do that because they didn't want me to damage myself. But my, my starting weight, of like the the one that I focus on really, is the leg press. So my starting weight with this system of the leg press was two hundred pounds and I could do 200 pounds for about three and a half minutes uh, pushing pushing up 10 seconds pushing down 10 seconds I'm now doing 446 pounds for about two and a half minutes okay that sounds a lot better it does it does sound like a there's lot. some improvement right yeah so yeah yeah so that's that's kind of where I'm at do now. you know and one last thing on that before we get to the walking desk do you notice any difference in your physique you um, Feel any? yeah I, I mean d- definitely like like obviously I'm flabby so I, I know
1: you have too much fat. I need to there's, eat there's the, the actual.
0: Muscle. I, I noticed that there's muscle under my flab. There's more muscle than there was. So like here, when I when I do this onto my chest, like it's not so far down that I can feel the muscle. Like I, it's like if there was a marshmallow, right? Okay, Before okay. I was like poking in like an inch th- into the marshmallow to get to the muscle. Now I'm poking in, poking right. in like a, you know a quarter of an inch, right. So I do notice a difference in that sense, but I also feel like I've kind of got it up to a good level now, and I just feel good. Now the, ne- the next part is the weight loss, and I had hoped that that little silver machine. The reason why I, I like that, the hack was, it's right there in my house, next to my desk. I'm going to do it. Actually, it turns out that I'm lazy enough to not do that. So that was what, kind of what I. Predicted. So my next hack is that. My computer is at my desk and there's a treadmill under the desk. And basically I walk on the treadmill while I work. So I don't actually notice that I'm doing the workout. Right, right. And I walk out very, very slowly. I walk very slowly. So the idea is that um, if you're just sitting down, you burn 46 calories an hour. Mm -hmm. But if you're standing up and even if you're walking at like a half mile an hour, you burn 130, 120 calories and 130 calories. But I've noticed that I'm walking about one and a half miles an hour. So I'm I'm actually burning for the for my weight or whatever. I'm burning actually close to 200 calories an hour. Really? Yeah.
1: And how many hours a day are you doing? Well,
0: I'm so the people who do the desk haven't delivered the desk yet, and I don't know when that's coming. It could be another 2 weeks, but I've been doing about 2 hours on the um Really? Yeah, 2 hours on the on What the
1: are you doing? Are you just walking or are you doing something?
0: No, I try I basically I do it whenever I'm having company meetings, conversations. So I just whenever, whenever I know it's going to be a phone call, whenever for you now, can get
1: away with doing it.
0: Yeah. I just go up there and do it. Yeah. That's
1: great. Yeah. Have you noticed anything yet?
0: I've just, I mean, not weight loss or something, but it's only been a week. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've noticed that, um, I'm just feeling, you know, you know, when you exercise, you generally have a bit of a glow and, you know, just feel a bit better. Yeah. Your head's clear. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, so the aim is to do six hours a day on that, like four, four hours as a minimum that is my aim. So that would be like an 800 calories. Um, and then to maybe try and move up to like a six hours. If you could do that, you would definitely be dropping weight. Yeah. No question about yeah. It. Assuming
1: you didn't like go well, I'm gonna have an extra cheeseburger or something, you know, you undo right. it with a big meal or something.
0: And it, and like I kind of the the thing is so far I I want to do it a lot more than the other thing because there's just a lot less effort. Like it doesn't really feel like you're doing you know hard work. Like the, with the silver thing, you know, it's as uh, it was it was exhausting, right? So. So my theory is, is a, it's a new concept. It's like high intensity and very low intensity. That's, right. That is, so it's a mix of like something that you really notice for like 15 minutes and then something that you don't notice. But you, you for told me it's little...
1: actually more like 30 minutes. Your way lifting is not
0: quite 15. No. I just tease you with the 15. Yeah. So
1: 30 is more. Well, that's really, I'm actually very excited to hear all these results.
0: I I'll think, show you the, the, the direct. Yeah, line. well,
1: before you we leave you, I want to see it. But I, I think of the things you've talked about, I think it, I have the highest hopes that you'll stick with it
0: well why why wouldn't you i mean it's just it's just a, it's under your desk i mean you can you can set it to half a half a, a mile an hour, and that is basically like not moving <laughs> yeah it's the same as not moving except it's moving in very slow motion that'd be great
1: <laughs> so I should give an, a quick update on my operation superhero oh yeah status, I think you definitely should so um let's see so one one thing that's really. Kind of sucked. Is I uh, strained a, uh, a ligament in my groin, my uh, called a, a adductor attachment, and as a result, I can't do squats or jumping exercises. Because and the reason I, I did that is I was doing these things called split squats, or these single-leg squats, and I was using too much weight. I was going too deep, and I overdid it. And that's one one of the problems I have. Is it's a strength and a weakness. When I go after things, I go after them hard. But sometimes you can go after things too hard and get into yourself. And as a result, I'm out, and I've been out probably for like six weeks, a month to six weeks. And no, maybe a month now, about five weeks. Mm. And I'm, I'm trying to do things around it. You know, I do a lot of other leg. I can do some light squats, and I can do. I mean, I'm trying to do, and I try to do jumping. I try to do these jumping exercises with dumbbells, and I do leg extension, leg curls. I do those other things. So I'm trying to build muscle in my legs, and, but I can't do that much. Mm. And it's a real bummer, because I was making huge progress. I mean, like I said, I added eight inches to my vertical. Like, I figured out a formula that was working. Um, so, but I can't, I could, but when I was doing heavy squats, deadlifts, I was aggravating the, attach, the abductor attachment. And I'd done some reading on it, in addition to what my uh, physical therapist said, which was that, like, you need to let this heal, because if you don't, it can become a chronic
0: injury. Not just acute. i so mean meaning that
1: it just doesn't go away, right? It's This ongoing thing.
0: Does this mean Phil's really overtaking you on the squats?
1: Well, he did when I hurt himself the first time. I mean, he's definitely. I was just talking that day. Like he's, yeah, he's definitely overtaking me on.
0: The what, what? What's he at now?
1: He's squat. He, I think he squats, probably at his estimated squats around three hundred pounds.
0: So would he be able to dunk? No. No, because he's not doing the whole explosion. He's explosive. not doing the
1: power stuff. In yeah,
0: addition, yeah, and,
1: and still he would, given his weight, he'd probably need to. He would need to squat 365, yeah. 385 pounds in addition to doing power training for a while. I see. Yeah. And, um, you know, I so don't know. W- when would you be able to get back on track then? I'm crossing my fingers that it's a couple
0: months. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm trying not to go backwards and I'm trying to do what I can
0: without aggravating it, but I'm
1: really on that line of aggravating
0: it. You think you've still got that eight, eight inch no. vertical jump? No, there's no way. You're lower now.
1: I probably, lo- I probably lost half of it. Or, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you know, it kind of reminds me of that movie. Um, Do you remember the movie Copland by Sylvester Stallone years ago? No. Ray Liotta. It's one of people. It was a huge, they had a ton of like Harvey, Harvey Keitel, all these famous actors in And Sylvester Stallone is kind of, is all these cops from New York City and they all live in the same area uh, in New Jersey. And uh, Sylvester Stallone is like the, the sheriff and they all kind of treat him like an idiot, you know? Yeah. And Ray Liotta is his buddy, though, who's one of these cops. And he's talking, it was this great scene, and he's talking to him, and he's like, you know, trying to do an analogy, give him an analogy for how to deal with the situation. He's like, he's like you know, Freddy, like, when you got to get across town, what do you do when, the, when, when, when there's a red light? What do you do? He's like, oh, you know, you turn on the sirens. So they can-. He's like, no, that's too slow. You turn. You turn and you keep moving. You keep moving. And that's like, and I keep thinking about that. I actually went and found the clip to it. It was, it was as good as I remembered it. And it it's like, you know, so I'm trying to do everything I can to keep moving forward, keep making progress, even though I can't go straight. You know, so I've been doing, like I said, all these other leg, really hard leg exercises, and I've been lifting a lot and, you know, making progress. I've, I went and just got a body composition test. I put on a couple pounds of fat over the holidays. Um, I probably put on like four pounds. I lost two of it because I... uh after I got back, I uh, I did a little uh, waist measurement. I was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell no! So I went I went hardcore on the diet and the and the cardio stuff for a couple weeks. Um, so I'm back pretty good now. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to do everything I can to uh, just be as fit and as strong as possible. I keep increasing my strength overall and my, uh, my l- lower my body fat percentage. But in terms of the the jumping. That's just i'm gonna have to,
0: i mean, I'm not going to make any progress on that until
1: till until it heals that's the only thing is, is there's this oh. fine line between training hard and injuring yourself
0: well, it shows dedication you know that you're sticking with it, and it wasn't just a pipe dream like you do intend to do it, and maybe you'll get it done you know and, uh
1: and now one other thing is I've starting to do uh the other my other one was a bench press three hundred and fifteen pounds oh yeah, so the other thing is i've had i would do I, I was doing like, was a few weeks ago, I oh, don't know, this is back a few months ago and I could, um, I was bench pressing like 225 for a set. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good amount of weight. But I keep screwing up my shoulder. <laughs> and, but power lifters, they do lay lift weight differently. They hold, I would keep a narrower grit, grip than, mm. you know, your typical person who lifts yeah. weights and uh, bodybuilder type where you have your flare your shoulders out or your elbows out and you're, you engage your shoulders. But I kept, on my shoulder, and, I, and every time I do it, I'd be out for three or four months. And so then I'm like, "All right, I'm going to do the power lifter style." Yeah. So I started doing that, but the problem is, you lose like 40 pounds. Yeah. Of strength because it's just it's, it's you don't you don't get your shoulders involved. You're holding your elbows in, and you're like, "I can't. I'm yeah. not. I can't use as much muscle." Just
0: not used to it. Yeah.
1: No, not just used to it. You just you're you have fewer muscles you can use to lift the weight. Right. Okay. It's your chest and your triceps, not your chest, your triceps, and your shoulders. Yeah. But. I'm actually getting, you know, a lot stronger on that really quickly. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll go forward on this as much as I can. Okay. But, you know, it's all about like, you know, whenever. But can you you even do
0: 315 on that?
1: No, that's the goal. Like I said, that's the. No, but I
0: mean, could you. Could
1: I potentially? In a
0: power lifter format.
1: At some point.
0: But you don't don't care how you you do it. You just want to lift 315. That's your target.
1: Yeah, you're asking, is it my genetically possible for me to do a powerlifting 315?
0: No. Uh, What's your question
1: exactly? I, I, ge-
0: I guess my question is, like, it seems like you've done this other thing your whole life, so maybe that would be what you want to do. Would you feel like you were doing something different to your original target? No. no or is, I'm, I'm is the target just 315? I'm just doing
1: it with a slightly different form, yeah. which is safer for your shoulders, which is recommended, and really is a recommended way to do it. But nobody does it that way except for, except for usually powerlifters. But
0: it's interesting because it's and harder just, doing it's it harder. that way. So, so shouldn't your goal be adjusted? Oh, like a, lower weight? Yeah, shouldn't it be adjusted to like a two? No, a three 85.
1: plates is, Well, I mean, yeah, it would, it would probably be equivalently hard, so it's going to be harder to achieve it. Yeah. But three plates is three plates. I mean, that's the, the goal. Just like dunking a basketball... You you know, dunking on a rim that's six inches lower is not really...
0: I see, dunking on a rim I see. Seat, you know what I mean? So it's, 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 not it's, quite it's just, to do with the three plates.
1: Like, if I went to somebody else who, who lifted weights all the time, you're like, well, how much you bench? You're like, you know, well, I bench this. Well, actually... Only do narrow grip, they'd be like, whatever, dude. <laughs> they would, bullshit. you know, like we to, So, don't tell me you're 315 when you're actually doing 285 and adding 40, you know, 30 that's pounds. Funny, that's funny. So, let me just see if there's any last thing because I have to go and uh, Kobe's basketball game is starting and I'm supposed to be there um, and switch off with uh, Sandy took him. So, let me just see that. I'm just looking at my notes. Um. Uh, you know there are other things to talk about, but we can, you know, we we just have to uh, we just have to wait till next week. Just do another show soon because we have a lot a lot of queued up stuff. I think. All right. Is there anything that you needed
0: to get in? No. Look, we just got an email for a, a podcast, re- uh, an interview request. Um, but anyway, no, um, no, that was good, good show.
1: All right. Well, until until uh, next week. Hopefully, hopefully not month. Maybe a month. That's a wrap. We're out.